Welcome to the S Word Live. <laughs> My name is Renee Rebar, sales strategist, TEDx speaker, and author. And today I want to talk about the pricing perception. So I recently had a client come to me. She does book marketing. So if you are an author of a nonfiction book that you hope to accelerate your authority for selling more of your mastermind or your programs or you're just getting on stages, right? Really growing your audience as well. This is what this woman does. It is brilliant. She is brilliant. She has a great track record, but recently something has gotten under her skin. And so we've known each other from other working collaborations. And she finally came to me saying, Renee, I need to help. I need help. I need your help. I need, I need to help. <laughs> I need to help these people. And they're telling me that it's too expensive. They're telling me that it's the price. The price is too high. So because of this, she and I started working together and she started talking about other offers. Uh, what else can I offer them that would be better for the people that can't afford me? Because she had heard a string of people start to tell her, I can't afford you. That's too expensive. I don't have the money. And so there's a couple stories that I could share here that I think would help you if you're also hearing that. If you're hearing, it's too expensive. I wish I could, but I can't. It's it's just not the right price. It's I need something. You know, I can't afford that. If you're hearing that, that's actually typically a, a, a symptom of something else. And we'll get into that in a few seconds when I talk to you about how we untangled this web that she had gotten herself into because she had a proven product, a proven service, a great reputation, but there was this string of three or four people, and that's really all it takes sometimes to get into your head and to make you start to believe this pricing perception problem. Ooh, I love I love alliteration. <laughs> so let's talk about this. If you've ever experienced this where you've had a product or service that you've sold a few times or many, many, many times and delivered many, many, many times and gotten great testimonials and had been living off of referrals for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, a string of three or four or five people start telling you it's the price. Do you have something else? I can't afford that. And it, it makes you start to doubt yourself, right? And that's really where this seed began. She came to me with doubt in her mind and heart. And so I did my due diligence as a sales professional and asked a string of questions. And so I want to get into that with you. But if we haven't met yet and you're coming into the S Word Live show, this is a place where I get to every single week, come and share what's happening now in the sales industry. And so I work with entrepreneurs across multiple industries, whether it's dental entrepreneurs or software entrepreneurs, day trader entrepreneurs, book entrepreneurs, um, women service providers, freelancers, copywriters, web designers, bookkeepers, these amazing entrepreneurs have ideas. They have offers. They have solutions. But the challenge they typically face is taking the bridge from where people are meeting them and expressing the problem to actually giving them the solution and having them pay each other. <laughs> so that's what I do. So you're in the right place if you've ever struggled with this particular problem. Of course, I have a string of these. You definitely want to catch them um, with all the different problems. I kind of cover a, a 360 of what sales problems are coming up, always based in a specific scenario. So today we're talking about my client who has an amazing book marketing company. So those nonfiction authors who really want to add, like leverage and, and market their book so that they can add to the authority that they had to sell their masterminds, to get on stages, to sell their group programs, to sell their courses, to, to sell their coaching. 
And so she had had a string of people tell her it's too much. I can't afford it. It's too expensive. <laughs> and so what I shared with her is what I'm going to share with you. And that is about the pricing perception. So we came to this decision after asking a few questions. And I want you to ask yourself these questions if you're coming up against this. And the first question is, before you make an invitation to someone, how much pre-work have you done on them? So when I asked her this question, she says, oh, but this these people were referrals. So, okay. So in her mind, because they were referrals, whoever had referred her had already bought from her, had already experienced her brilliance. Therefore, this new person that was referred by this other former client didn't need the due diligence that she typically would have done had the person been, quote unquote, a cold lead, right? And so my recommendation is treat everyone the same. So it's it's very much like, you know, a pl- like I just went on a, on a trip to New York City and I say I was at the Delta Lounge and I heard this person next to me who try to get in the Delta Lounge, but didn't, <laughs> didn't have like the right, you know, qualifications, didn't have enough miles, didn't have the right credit card um, to apply for this card. And the person that was asking them these qualifying questions was trying to help them make the right decision. And it's kind of like that. It's like you're qualifying them by doing your due diligence. What you're doing is asking them questions, sharing information with them so that they can help decide if this is the right path. Before you even get to any kind of sales call or sales pitch or offer or close before that, this is the most, I mean, if anything else, this is the most important thing I can share with you right now is before you make an offer. It's kind of like when my husband got down on one knee, oh, so many years ago in 1996, that he was 99% sure I was already going to say yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like he had done his due diligence. He wasn't hoping that he was, I was going to say yes. He knew I was going to say yes before he made the offer on bended knee with a ring. I want you to do the same thing. So what we ended up doing is working on this series of emails that helped even referrals get to know her better, get to see some more case studies and referrals and other testimonials that she had. She got to ask them a few questions that honestly, just this alone tipped the scales for her so that she didn't waste time on the phone with people that weren't qualified. She didn't make offers to people that weren't qualified. So she wasn't hearing the no anymore. She simply diverted them to another area of her business, which is a course-driven program, which is lower cost, less of her, still the same result, just a slower process, right? A lot of my clients, and that maybe this is, you know, you might fit into this is they do one thing. You know, it's like they are Hawaii and you can choose to take a plane. You can choose to take a car and then a ferry, or you can choose to take a boat or a bike. I mean, you're eventually going to get there if you just keep on working at it. Just one is a lot faster than the other. It's a lot faster than the next, right? And so the price of me walking to the end of California and then hopping on a boat, trying to hitchhike a boat is probably way less cost-wise, but also will take me way more time. I'll still get to Hawaii if my heart is set on it right? Be much more expensive, but also much more efficient if I just bought a plane ticket, right? Okay. So that was the first question I asked her is what happens before you make this invitation? What do you do your due diligence? And so we've created this whole process and system. The second question I asked is how are you, when you make the actual offer, how are you presenting the offer? So I'm doing this because I always do high, low. And so when I present a solution to someone, and in this case, this is where I kind of tripped her up. She's like, well, I don't do a high-low because what I'm offering them is my highest. And I say, okay, well, 
imagine that there was something higher. Well, I don't offer that. Okay, well, what if you were to make something that you did offer, but you didn't want to offer it to them? This is a sales psychology strategy, okay? So in the closing of an offer, regardless of the price, if I have a high and a low, I'm able to create this Goldilocks experience for the person I'm making the offer to. So saying, listen, hey, like I could offer you this that typically costs this much. However, I don't think you need all that right now. I don't need to actually offer that in writing. I don't actually have to have it on my website. I don't actually have to have a a grid where I'm showing them the options because at this point, I'm consultatively closing them. And again, these are all molecular pieces that I get into when I work with my clients, okay? So if this, if a lot of you listening to this, you'll be fine with this, but some of you that are like, "Hmm, what is she talking about? Hang out with me more. Come hang out with me more. Listen to more of my shows. Come in my email list. If you're on my email list, you can hit reply to any email I ever send you and ask me a question and I got you. So this particular presentation of the close, presentation of the price, the framing of the price is vital. High, low, but here's what I think you should do based on what you shared with me. She wasn't doing that. And I asked her, you know, upon pressing, she's actually used to do that when she felt like she was less established. She used to do that when it was just a cold outreach person. I'm doing this because no one's ever called PS. If they're actually getting to this point, they're not called anymore. So since she had done so well, since she had gotten such a great reputation, since she had gotten so many referrals, she stopped this one little piece when she was making the actual offer. Now, isn't that how it goes sometimes, right? Sometimes you need a third party to come in and see you and you what you're doing from the outside to to pull out that one grain of sand that's been getting in your gears, right? So that was the second question I asked her. And then the third question I asked her was, once you establish the price, how are you moving forward? Like once you establish what you are willing to make them an offer for, how are you actually closing them? This is another thing that she said that she had changed. She used to do, but she didn't do anymore. So here's what I mean specifically. So closing, like there is an actual thing that you have to say to actually close the deal. And it's not, I'll send you something and I hope it all works out. And it's not, I'll send the proposal. And it's not, hey, uh, call me when you need me now that you know what it is. Those, yes, if you do that, it is not wrong, but it is less likely to actually happen (laughs) because you're dealing with humans. I'm a human and I know how I am. And if you give me a chance to do it now or later, I'll always choose later. In fact, I really kind of have two speeds. Like if, for those of you listening, if you're my family or relatives or friends and you know that you text me, I have like two speeds. I'm like now and never, honestly. And it's not because I don't want to answer. It's not because I don't think about it, but I just, it's how life is. I get taken down the river of, of other interesting things. So if you're at the point where you've made the offer, you've done your due diligence, you've framed it out high and low, you've given your consultative best and they're like, okay. How do you actually close them? And so what I worked on with her was, okay, great. So the next step is, that's the words. The next step is what? Not I'm going to send you this and I hope it works out. Although there are times when that's necessary, but we can get into that in a separate conversation. The next step is let's set up your orientation call. This, my friends, is gold. Orientation is very like any, it could apply to almost any business. Orientation could mean we fill out the paperwork, we take final payment, we get a deposit, we set up our Trello board, we set up our comm channel, we set up our communication system, we set up our container of content. 
whatever. It could mean anything. And it typically is 15 minutes. It's a quick call. And it's once you've closed them. And it's typically the next day or two days later or a couple days at the very most. So an orientation is like a pre-onboarding. So for those of you who do deep, high-ticket, long-term services, like the freelancers out there that are building you know, 52 weeks of email services or, or sequences, or if you're building big funnels or you're building you know, full launch packages for digital courses, you might think, well, why, is, why, why would I do that? You know, I'm, t- I'm selling them something that's like $30,000. Why would I do an orientation? Well, because it's another touch point that allows you to actually finish the close. Because how many of you have gotten a verbal yes, and then you send the paperwork and they don't sign it? And you're like, they ghosted me. And maybe they just didn't ghost you. They just take forever. Like you keep sending them the invoice. You keep sending them the questionnaire to fill out because you need the questionnaire to fill out the information that you need to start your onboarding process. So like if there's a piece of this puzzle, this very tiny piece that they're not doing that you need them to do to finish what you need to do. You hear me? You follow me? So that you could actually onboard them to finish the close. Then there's an opportunity here, my friends, to be able to shorten that gap, clean it up and move forward seamlessly. Again, as a sales professional, I have had hundreds of thousands of hours in sales conversations over the course of my career, selling all kinds of things for all kinds of companies, including myself. And now that I'm teaching these other amazing professionals, I keep seeing the same patterns over and over again. And it's just like my friend here who helps nonfiction authors promote their book. And in this point, she was saying, okay, great. The next step is I'll send you an agreement, you'll sign it, you'll fill out the form that I send, and then I'll start my onboarding process, which seems fine, right? I mean, it's not wrong. Again, it's just not as easy as it could be for everybody involved. I like easy. I hate follow-up. I hate trying to have to remember things. I hate alerts in my in my phone. I hate it all. So I try to do it all up front and make it as easy as possible. So what I have her saying now is, Great. The next step is we book our orientation call between now and then I have time the same time tomorrow. Does that work for you? Great. Between now and then I'll send over the paperwork and we'll we'll make sure that we're all on the same page. We all have the right links to the right things. Bring your team if you have to, if they have them. Sometimes they don't, often they don't. Great. Okay. And so tomorrow orientation, let me set up that call right now on my calendar. Okay. Did you get that? Okay. Perfect. Okay, great. Then the next step just to secure your spot in my calendar is to take a deposit or payment. How did you want to take care of that? Visa, MasterCard, or American Express. That's it, right? So it doesn't have to be complicated. They and they either say, oh, I have to pass that by procurement. Oh, oh, I have to ask my husband or, oh, I have to ask my Schwami. I don't know. Whatever they say, if it's not, yes, at least you have another chance. You already booked it. It's called the orientation call. So you can still send what I call the sales page email. Um, of course, this is in my course, Selica Mother. But the point is, is that there's still another catch now, another another way to support the close. What happened in all this? Her confidence soared. Her ability to take little pieces of her sales process and refine them over just three or four people saying no to her. Now she's getting three or four people saying yes to her over and over again. And she raised her prices. And so with confidence, pricing, perception. And if you really want to think about it, it's kind of like, you know, I I just was in New York City again. And uh, I was talking to a friend whose son is about to buy his first place. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a one bedroom in Queens with a parking space. I mean, like, hello, huge with a parking space for $770,000. And everyone is like, wow, I can't believe he got such a great deal. This is amazing. And I'm thinking to myself in Michigan, 
at, for $770,000, you can get a 5,000 square foot house on a corner lot, probably a couple acres behind you in a premium school district with a pool, most likely, maybe even an indoor pool for $770,000. So pricing perception in Queens, they're like, that's a freaking steal for a one bedroom with a parking space. In Michigan, they're like, are you effing crazy? <laughs> right? What? Pricing perception. There are people that will perceive the cost of something that you think is easy to afford as a as very expensive. And that is pricing perception. But if it's framed properly, if it's set up properly, framed properly, and closed properly, it doesn't matter. It evens the playing field. I hope that you've gotten a lot out of today's S Word Live show. I really enjoy doing these. Um, I've been doing them for years and I absolutely love this segment of my week. And I hope you'll join me and my email list. Make sure you click the link that comes to this video because then you get on my email list. Yes, you're going to get a free gift. Yes, you're going to get a lot of free goodies and juicy things. Um, but most importantly, you'll be on my email list, which is the place I share everything first. And whenever I share anything with you, you can always hit reply to any email I ever send you and ask me a question. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.